The NFL Draft, it begins tonight, and there's really no reason to watch it because today on Locked On Vols, I'm going to tell you where every single Vol is going to be playing, who's going to be selecting them, what pick, what round, all that type of stuff. So don't worry about watching the draft. You're going to find out everything you need to know about who's going where for Tennessee today on Locked On Vols. You are Locked On Vols, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm kidding, guys. I'm kidding. Please watch the draft because literally we're going to go through this exercise. It's going to be fun, but your boy's going to miss them all because that's just how this works. So go ahead and watch the draft tonight, but we're going to have fun today here on this Thursday edition of Locked On Vols. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, with me, Eric Kane, I'm your host. Uh, shout out every dayers. Appreciate you guys coming back and hanging out with me each and every day. And got a challenge for you today. Speaking of the everyday campaign, uh, the question of the day here on Locked On Vaults: Who gets drafted where? This is just for Tennessee. I, nobody tweet me and say Bryce Young is going to the Carolina Panthers. Well, duh, right? Uh, this is just for Tennessee players, right? Who is going to be drafted where? Go ahead and call your shot. Tweet me at underscore Kane or at Locked On Vols. Use that hashtag everydayer and leave me a comment and, and tell me who's going to be going where. Hendon to the Seahawks or down our right to the Cowboys or just whoever it may be. Prince and fans to the uh, 49ers, you know, whatever. Uh, tweet me, call your shot, tell me who's going to be going where. And obviously it'll be for tonight where I anticipate two players being drafted from Tennessee. But of course, There'll be at least six on the weekend, maybe more in my, or at least five, uh, probably more in my opinion. So that's the cue of the day. Uh, leave a comment on the YouTube page. Let me know. Hashtag it every day or tweet me. Let me know where the Vols are going to be drafted this weekend. It's your first listen each and every day. We're a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and we're going to go through here in segment number one. I'm going to call the shot. I'm going to tell you where I believe who will be selecting the Tennessee Volunteers. In segment two, Hendon Hooker. Uh, posted some videos on, I guess it was Wednesday, of him dropping back. And uh, apparently his surgeon sent a letter to every NFL team uh, kind of detailing his timeline, his recovery timeline. What's the latest on that? And then I've been saving this for a couple of days, but field storming in college football, at least in the Southeastern Conference, is that coming to an end? I have some I have many thoughts on that. Uh, that is your show here today on a Thursday right here on Locked on Vols. Okay, like I said, I, I was joking a little bit. You know, no need to watch the draft. Watch the draft because literally I'm going to miss all these. But I thought it'd be fun, right? I'm going to call my shot. Darnell Wright is going where? Hendon Hooker is going where? Uh, Cedric Tillman, Jalen Hyatt, where are they going? Byron Young. I'm going to call my shot and tell me if you agree, if you disagree, if you can see it. Uh, let me know your shot. That's the cue of the day. Tweet me all that good stuff. All right. I wholeheartedly anticipate tonight two volunteers are going to be selected in the first round. Uh, for that to happen, I think that second one's going to be Dar uh, Hendon Hooker, knowing that he is the he will be if he's selected in the first round, the second oldest quarterback ever selected in the first round, only behind Brandon Whedon, uh, who was older, and of course he went and played baseball and he did a couple of different things, uh, but he was selected by I want to say the Browns. And then he, he finished off his career with the Cowboy. He didn't play very long. But anyway, uh, that's kind of what we're doing here today. Um, but I wholeheartedly believe that Hendon Hooker is going to be selected in the first round. Now, I'm going to give you my picks for who's going to be taking them, you know, what round, what picks, and all that type of stuff. Then I'm going to give some, if it's not this, watch out for this. This is just kind of me 
accumulating some mock drafts, everything I've read, and kind of just put it to paper. So uh, in the first round tonight, I believe Tennessee's first player off the board is going to be offensive tackle Darnell Wright. And I think Darnell Wright is going to be selected 16th overall by the Washington Commanders. Now, if it's not 16th overall to the Washington Commanders, there's this is kind of where it gets nutty, and this is why you should never take mock drafts to heart because if one team you know makes a makes a, a wild move, it can create uh, another wild move, or it can create a player to slide, or so many times there's going to be best available. There are several teams in the teens tonight that need offensive tackle help. The commanders at not or the commanders at 16 is where I have Darnell Wright going, but Chicago at number nine needs an offensive tackle. Are they going to take Darnell Wright? Are they going to go skill? But if they go offensive tackle, is it going to be Darnell Wright who got to see him up close and personal at the Reese's Senior Bowl? Is it going to be Broderick Jones? Could it be Peter Skorowski who is listed as a tackle, but I think he's a guard at the next level? Uh, is it going to be Broderick Jones that I already mentioned him? Um, you know, that that's the question. If it's not the Commanders at 16 for Darnell Wright, watch out for Chicago Bears at number 9, the New England Patriots at number 14, the New York Jets at number 15. Remember, part of that Aaron Rodgers trade is they swap with Green Bay first-round picks, and the Jets now are sitting at 15, um, moving back a couple of spots from 13. They just got Aaron Rodgers. They need to protect him. Watch for Darnell Wright potentially to the New York Jets at 15, you got the Pittsburgh Steelers at 17 who need offensive tackle help, and you got Tampa Bay at 19. All those teams, realistically, I could see taking an offensive tackle. If it's not the Washington Commanders, watch out, in my opinion, for the New York Jets, or it would just make my heart happy because it feels like every Tennessee player goes and is drafted by this team, the Pittsburgh Steelers. I like that as well. So, Eric Kane says, for what it's worth, Darnell Wright, 16th overall to the Washington Commanders. We'll see if I'm right tonight. The second pick off the board for the Tennessee Volunteers. And this is difficult because, of course, this is the Hendon Hooker pick. You guys know I've been saying he's going to be a first-round pick for weeks now. This is difficult because a number of things can happen. A run of quarterbacks in the top four could change the landscape. What if Levis or Richardson slide down to the teens? That can affect some things. What if a team wants to trade back? What if a team wants to move up? It's going to get hairy when it comes to a quarterback. But for right now, I will say for for at least because I, I just think this organization makes so much sense in regards to Hendon Hooker. In the first round, pick number 20, I've got the Seahawks taking Hendon Hooker. Now, if it's not 20th with the Seahawks, look for Seattle to maybe move something around, maybe move back, get some capital, take Hendon Hooker in the mid-20s, maybe move up. Remember, Seattle has the 37th pick. Just inside the second round, maybe they move up and get Hendon Hooker. I like Hendon Hooker to Seattle, but as we spoke, um, also Minnesota at 23 is very possible. That's kind of the one I'd be, I'd be looking out for as well. Houston at two, do you pass on a quarterback? And if so, are you taking a quarterback at 12? Watch for Houston as well. We talk, I think that was Peter King's uh, football in America mock draft from earlier this week we discussed. So I like somehow Hendon going to Seattle. Does Seattle pick him at 20? Do they move back? Do they do, do they trade back knowing they have the 37th pick? Do you move up from 37 to get three first-round picks? I don't know. I like Hendon Hooker to Seattle, but for right now, we'll go Hendon Hooker four spots behind Darnell Wright to the Seattle Seahawks. So, mark it down, right? Uh, let's move into... Let's go into... We're going to go overboard in this segment. It's fine because there's not a whole lot to talk about with the 
with the injury thing in segment two. Let's go now to the second round. And this is where I believe Tennessee's wide receivers will come off the board. Wide receivers kind of tricky, right? Um, you need some skilled players on the outside. You don't want to take them in the first round because you don't necessarily want to pay them. You know, with Jalen Hyatt, it's going to be real with you guys. I mean, you guys know this. You guys read and you guys watch. You guys know his game. There's a lot of risks there. I'm a believer in Jalen Hyatt. I like him. I like his family an awful lot. But there are some risks there. But I have Jalen Hyatt coming off the board the second round. Pick number 39 overall to the Carolina Panthers. And that's kind of where I like Jalen Wright. So that would be a Friday night selection. Now, if it's not the Carolina Panthers, I like the New York Giants to do something. New York has the 25th pick in the first round. Could New York trade back, build up some capital early into the second round, or maybe even later in the first round and take Jalen Hyatt? Hyatt's been linked to the Giants for a while now, but at 25, I'm not sure that'll work. But if it's not the Panthers at 39, watch out for the New York Giants to do something with a 25th pick, whether that's picked there or maybe move back. Also, Houston at 33, just inside the second round. And the Detroit has two second-round picks, one at 48 and one at 55. Detroit needs a wide receiver, too. So if not 39 to the Panthers, watch out for New York Giants to do something at 25. Houston at 33 or Detroit at 48-55. And that brings me to Cedric Tillman, who I think comes off the board five picks later, going to the Atlanta Falcons with the 44th pick in the second round. Um, I, I think that those guys are going to be picked pretty closely together uh, in terms of you know the big boards, best overall prospects. They're very, very close. I think Mel Kuyper had Jalen Hyde at like 39 and and and, Hendon, or, and uh, Cedric Tillman at 42 or something like that. Uh, they were very close together, whatever the case was. And in terms of the big board of wide receiver, I think for, for most analysts, Hyatt's at like, you know, Hyatt's here, and then maybe there's one guy in between them, then there's Tillman. So much like teams who need a wide receiver looking at Jalen Hyatt, say you miss on Hyatt, maybe you collect on Tillman a couple of picks later. I've got Tillman going to the Falcons, 44th overall in the second round, again, to the Atlanta Falcons. If not for that pick, Maybe look for Arizona at 34. Arizona's kind of been linked to Cedric Tillman a lot here in the last couple of weeks. Could Arizona potentially trade back? I don't know. Um, and then take Cedric Tillman in the late 30s, early 40s? I don't know. But Arizona needs a wide receiver with or without DeAndre Hopkins, and they're picking at 34, and they're not picking a lot, you know, up until, up until the third round after that. And also, just like with Jalen Hyatt, Detroit has two picks, 48 and 55. When you have two picks that close together, maybe you want to package something together and move up. Uh, so Detroit would be another go in there. And then I have Byron Young. Byron Young, I do believe, will come off the board in the second round. It will be late in the second round on a Friday night. Pick number 61 to the Chicago Bears. Um, I think, you know, when you think 3-4 defense, you just think Chicago Bears, right? I mean, truly you do. I think that they need to replenish and get after the quarterback a little bit more. I think Byron Young's a project player that can help with that. Um, if not for the Chicago Bears at 61, maybe look for the Chicago Bears at 53. They're also picking just nine spots, or I can't math, you know, uh, eight spots ahead there. Um, that's 12 spots, Eric. 12 spots ahead at 53. Maybe they want to package something and move back, whatever. I like Chicago either 53 or 61 to do something for Byron Young. Maybe Seattle at 52 as well could do something. Seattle was linked to Byron Young a long time ago in the first couple of mocks. And then Denver has the one of the first picks in the third round, 67th overall. 
Maybe Denver wants to move up into the tail end of the second round and take Byron Young as well. So that's kind of what I'm thinking now. I've got the Commanders, 16th overall, taking Darnell Wright. The Seahawks, 20th overall, taking Hendon Hooker. The Panthers, 39th overall, taking Jalen Hyatt. The Falcons, 44th overall, taking Cedric Tillman. The Bears, 61st overall, taking Byron Young. Mark it down. Put it on FanDuel. What, how much do I get if I put that down on FanDuel right now, that uh, <laughs> that little package deal? Uh, that that The odds right there <laughs> are one and a couple million, I would imagine, right? Um, those are the top five, the big five, if you will. I do think Jerome Carvin gets drafted um, just because of his versatility, but that'll be sixth, seventh round. Jeremy Banks might get drafted. There's a lot of question marks surrounding Jeremy Banks. We know this. We've, we've watched Tennessee football the last couple of years. He did not have a good pro day. He had a good combine. So how much will that hurt him potentially? In terms of inside linebackers, I think he's like rated the 14th best one, according to Mel Kuyper. So, you know, we'll see. But I could see Jeremy Banks potentially being drafted towards the end of the round. That's all the draftable players, I think, for Tennessee. You got the big five, and then I, th- I think you should look for Carvin late on Saturday. I think you lo- should look for Jeremy Banks late on Saturday. And then guys like Princeton Fant, Paxton Brooks, Trey Flowers, and Latrell Bumpus, I think could be uh, you know guys who sign undrafted free agent deals and go to camp, especially Paxton Brooks and Princeton Fant, who I believe for sure um, will be in a camp somewhere. So that's kind of what I think. What say you? Call your shot. The cue of the day. Who's going to get drafted where? Tweet at me. Hashtag it every day. Or if you're watching on YouTube, leave a comment on this YouTube uh, YouTube episode. Hashtag it every day. And tell me where you think these guys are going to go. The NFL draft, it begins tonight. All right, when we come back, what's the latest with Hendon Hooker and his recovery from a torn ACL? That is coming up next right here on Lockdown Vols. But hey, if you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the sugar and calories, then you need the best tasting protein bar ever. That is Built. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, cookies and cream. You guys know that's my favorite. I'm not sure how they do it, but they're really, really good. Plus, they're really good for you. Only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, but a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get your box from ordering at Built.com. We've been talking about ordering from Built Bill Bars from Built.com for a while now, but now you can get it to your local Walmart or Sam's Club while you can still get those specialty flavors you want by ordering at Built.com. That's right. Head on over to Walmart, Sam's Club, buy your Built Bars now, protein bars, puffs, or as always, ordering them online. That is at Built.com. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, guys, welcome back into it. It is your Thursday edition of Locked On Vols. I am your host, Eric Kane. You guys know the cue of the day. It is to call your shot. Who is going where in terms of Tennessee Vols in the NFL draft? Let me know by the hashtag in it, hashtagging it everydayers at underscore Kane or at Locked On Vols. And of course, leave a comment on this YouTube episode. 
Uh, we will come back tomorrow and we'll recap everything that was round one of the NFL draft and looking ahead to round two, uh, talking about where Darnell Wright and who I believe Hendon Hooker, who's going to be taken in the first round, where they are going and all that good stuff. Speaking of Hendon Hooker, so he released some videos of himself dropping back at the indoor complex in the Anderson training facility over at Tennessee. This was on Wednesday. Uh, he labeled it uh, the tweet, first day of dropping back during the morning session. Feels great to move around again. Hashtag stacking days. And it shows Hendon Hooker, you know, against air, of course, but you know, taking some snaps and dropping back, a little three-step drop and throw in, um, little little five-step drop and throw in a little bit. He looks good. And I think it's big, too, for a quarterback that his torn ACL is his left ACL, meaning on those dropbacks, he's not planting. He's planting on the right one. So if it was his right ACL, it might be a little bit more of a recovery process for a quarterback who uses that to plant and throw uh, more so than just the left one. But, of course, you need the left one to, to you know move around, run, and all that type of stuff. So um, all that's good. Pete Thamel also, he quote-tweeted Hendon Hooker and said, From sources, every NFL team got a letter from Hendon Hooker's doctor, orthopedic surgeon Dr. Neil, yeah, whatever, I'm not going to try to say that name, that states Hooker is on a timeline to be fully cleared by the first weekend of the NFL season. He's on a fast recovery trajectory after tearing his ACL on November the 19th and having surgery the week that followed. So that's a good sign, right? Says that Hendon Hooker is going to be ready to go by week one of the NFL season. Now he will likely not be full go in training camp, OTAs, rookie minicamp, all that type of stuff, but he'll be in the building. He'll learn. He'll be out there doing everything that he can. But in terms of full-fledged going, uh, tackle football, which in the NFL you don't, much like Tennessee, you especially don't touch the quarterbacks, but you're not going to take a hit whatsoever um, in NFL uh, NFL type practices to begin with. So it looks like he'll probably miss some preseason, which is unfortunate. But right now, it looks like by the first weekend of the NFL season, Hendon Hooker will be available and ready to go, which is a really, really, really good sign. Uh, prior to the injury, of course, he completed nearly 70% of his passes for 3,135 yards, 27 touchdowns, two interceptions. He ran for 430 yards on 104 carries, five touchdowns this year. He was one of the nation's leading Heisman candidates, which he should have been a finalist. It's just an absolute disgrace that Stetson Bennett was a finalist, and I'll stand on that. I will die on that hill. Great player, a legend of college football. If you're a Georgia fan, you should have immense pride in Stetson Bennett because that's a cool story, but... Um, as I know you already will jump in these comments, uh, complete disgrace that Stetson Bennett was a Heisman finalist. And anyone that watches football should understand that. Uh, but anyway, you know, Hooker, he's he, he's going to translate to the NFL. And there's a lot of questions surrounding, you know, how can he do outside of the Josh Heupel scheme? Uh, you know, surveying just one half of the field, yada, yada. You, you everydayers know my thoughts on that. Uh, Josh Heupel was asked about just that at the pro day a couple weeks ago. I want to pull that quote up. He said, quote, I'm not sure anybody in college football had more on their plate than Hendon did. And then you think about the tempo we play at. You've got to be a quick decision maker. You've got to realize or recognize defensive structures extremely quick. Uh, he controlled some of our run game. He controlled the RPO game. Hendon's decision making ability, it was on every single snap. He's got a loaded box, checks out, uh, checks out of it. He's got alerts. He has kills. He controlled the entire game from every single play. I think that puts him in great position to be able to transition to the next level, handle all that's coming at him, and be able to handle it at a very high clip. Um, you know, that was Josh Heupel back at Pro Day when discussing Hendon Hooker and all that good stuff. And if you remember on the um, on the clock, that uh, ESPN 
plus uh, Omaha Productions product, uh, production that uh, they did on some of the top quarterbacks in the draft. We talked about it here on Lockdown Balls because I wrote a review for it before it came out. And something that Peyton Manning did uh, was he kind of said, like, hey, I've been to a lot of games. I've watched a lot of film on Hendon Hooker. But the, the reason I know Hendon is going to be – good at the next level is his eyes he uses his eyes as a weapon he doesn't just stare down receivers he uses his eyes to deflect defenders the safety the cornerbacks specifically the safety of the nickelback player the star player he uses his eyes to take them away from where he wants to go and then he checks down the other way or he throws the other side of the field and so uh, the fact that he uses his eyes as a weapon in the college game and specifically at the southeastern conference level that is a good thing and that was from peyton manning and the on the clock feature released a couple weeks ago. So sounds like Hendon Hooker is going to be ready to go. He's making a, a good, good recovery. And again, this is why I continue to think that he's going to be picked in the first round because if you're not going to get a full-speed Hendon Hooker and OTAs and rookie minicamp and preseason especially to showcase what he can do against live bullets flying around, uh, you know, with, with live defenses, you, you know, you just need to get him 100% healthy. It's going to take some time. And you want to have another year you can you can pick up if you want to on the back end of that four-year rookie contract. So I think Hendon Hooker, it's a slam dunk that he's going in the first round. Maybe I shouldn't say slam dunk, but that's what I believe. And uh, we'll get to see if it comes true tonight. That's coming up later on the NFL Draft. What's coming up later, next segment on Locked On Vols, field storming. Storming the field. Is that over in Southeastern Conference play? That and more coming up next right here on the show. All right, guys, we got a final segment left here of this Thursday edition of Locked On Vols with Eric Kane. I'm your host. You guys know the key of the day. Call your shot. Where is your? Where is a Tennessee Volunteer player going to be drafted by who? By whom? Uh, what round? What pick? All that type of stuff. Hashtag it every dayers. Tweet it at me. Your picks. Call your shots for Tennessee in the NFL draft. Okay, so this story reports came out a couple of days ago, but I've been holding it for a little bit. Um. Could storming the field in the Southeastern Conference be a thing of the past, beginning as early as this upcoming football season? One of the most beautiful things of college athletics, the pageantry, all that type of stuff, is you storm the field when a massive upset happens. Now, do I think sometimes it's overplayed? Sure. You had South Carolina this year. And with all due respect to Tennessee, I mean, it's it's our favorite team. It's the team I cover. It's the team that... I'm able to, you know, cover and make a living off of. With all due respect, I mean, South Carolina beat Tennessee and Columbia this past season, and Columbia stormed the field. You know, South Carolina stormed the field. I mean, yeah, Tennessee was good last year, don't get me wrong, but, like, why on earth are you storming the field a couple weeks after you dropped a game to Georgia and, you know, you in recent history shows that Tennessee's not been a very good program? I mean, had tip to Josh Hype on what Tennessee did in 2022, which is awesome, but, like, South Carolina stormed the field after beating Tennessee last year. Like, I think that's a little overplayed. Um, but you got guys, I mean, LSU stormed the field a couple times last year, most notably after beating Alabama. You've got Tennessee that stormed the field after beating Alabama, which was just awesome. And there they go. You know, like, I mean, it's just, you, you can't duplicate it. You can't replicate it. The, the scenes, the pictures, the experiences. I mean, I remember being on that field. I was shooting video and everything right out of the game. It took me like 30 minutes to get back to where I needed to go. It was annoying at the time, but I mean, that, that's something I'll never forget, right? That experience and the smell of cigars and definitely marijuana that was out there. I mean, it was definitely out there as well. The smells from on the field and um, just everything that happened. Um, but I mean, you know, storming the field has been a thing for, for a long time. 
is, is that is that going to happen in the future? Well, according to the Southeastern Conference and you know the, the SEC mascot Nick Saban, because he's tired of it. And here's the thing with Nick Saban. I mean, a couple of years ago you thought it was good for the game, and now since you're losing a little bit more than what you have been, yet people still think beating Alabama is a big deal because it is. Alabama's still a good football program. So when Alabama loses, typically you get the film storm more than any other team. And and maybe that's taking a toll on Nick Saban, maybe, but it just is what it is. You got Nick Saban that's now against it saying, I'm fearful. I'm fearful for me and my players. I mean, come on. Like, I get it. When you when you have I don't know how many people were on the field at Tennessee. Obviously, it seats like now with the renovations, it seats like 93, 94,000 or whatever, whatever it is. But you know, not all those people were on the field. But you got thousands of thousands of people, you know, screaming and running on the field. You want your players out of there. You want your you want your team to be taken care of and all that stuff. I get it. But the fact that you're saying you're fearful for your players, like get over yourself. What what a ludicrous thing to say. Um, you don't want any incidences to happen. And granted, there was one at Tennessee this year. I mean, allegedly, you had uh, the wide receiver for uh, for Alabama that, that struck the woman. Gosh, I forgot his name. He was the guy that played at Georgia uh, before, and um, I'm forgetting his name. But anyway, I mean, allegedly, he struck the woman, and there's video out there, and it looks like that happened. Of course, there was no suspension there because Nick Saban you know, said, if, if you knew the whole story, like, w- like what other part of the story is there, Nick? Dude's pissed off. The video shows she just walks by and he like he like tries to like slap her or something. It's it's ridiculous. He should have been suspended, never allowed to play football again. Oh, just ridiculous. But you don't want stuff like that to happen. And when you storm the field, stuff like that can't happen. So I get it from that that aspect. But why is there not? And, and Brent Hub said this in the VolQuest podcast as well. Like, and I couldn't agree more. It's a really good point. Like, why isn't there a plan in place to get the teams off the field when those situations happen? That's what I would do. You have like 200 security officers standing around the the lower bowl at Neyland Stadium. Like, why are they not trained and instructed to go and have a plan to get both teams off the field immediately? That's what I would do. But if you are going to prohibit storm storming the field and, and all that type of stuff, I mean, you're taking away part of what's so rich and beautiful of the college game. But if you're going to do that, potentially this is what can happen. Here is the example that Pete Thamel put up when he put up his story a couple days ago. He said, picture this potential scenario in the Southeastern Conference this fall. On September 30th in Jordan-Hare Stadium, Auburn takes down undefeated number one ranked and two-time reigning national champion Georgia. Tigers fans celebrate their first victory over the rival Bulldogs in 2017 by storming the field. In response, the SEC moves Auburn's next home game against Georgia in 2025 to Athens. The Tigers would play the Bulldogs between the hedges three straight seasons from 24 to 2026. That would be one of the prices for storming the field. That's just one of the punishments that's kind of put out there right now. Um, Sounds pretty drastic if you're asking me, 100%. But it, it just is what it is. Some of the other proposals are expected to be uh, potentially moving. Let's see here. Okay, I've got it. The premise of losing a future SEC home game is just one of the policy changes that's been discussed by a working group. An even more drastic one, forfeiture of the game in which the field storm occurred is unlikely to gain much traction. It'd be like Tennessee beating Alabama and Tennessee having to forfeit that win over Alabama because Tennessee fans stormed the field. You talk about soft. 
if that's happened. And that's why Pete Thamel says it's unlikely to gain much traction there because you don't want to forfeit anything. The, there is a general agreement that something more needs to be done beyond hitting schools in the fat wallets. Now, those fines, the first violation here, this has already been in place, merits a $50,000 fine. The second is $100,000, and each subsequent violation is $250,000. Tennessee was docked $100,000 for the field storming against Alabama, but school president Randy Boyd declared with a victory cigar in hand, it doesn't matter, we'll do this every year. <laughs> but, but what's funny about that is then Tennessee asked for a GoFundMe to pay for the goalpost, which, again, sidebar which it's just hilarious to me because you know that there's other goalposts it's trying to take every situation and make some money which hey danny white he's he is good at what he does for a reason but i thought that was just comical when that happened so how's this going to take place well there's a committee that's been put up in terms of uh, trying to figure this thing out uh, let's see here. A conference working group on event safety was appointed by SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey last November, less than three weeks after Tennessee fans tore down the goalposts following the win over Alabama and just a day before LSU fans flooded Tiger Stadium field uh, to, re to revel in an upset over the Crimson Tide. The working group, headed by Alabama Athletic Director Greg Byrne, comical, Georgia AD Josh Brooks, Kentucky AD Mitch Barnhart, has been gathering input and weighing options for several months. Hopefully they're going to talk about this at the SEC spring meetings, and the thought is that they're going to have a punishment for those universities in the future that if they storm the field, this is what will happen. I mean, why on earth in today's age and society and literally everything else, we have to take something that's so good and so pure and just ruin it? Again, one of the most beautiful things about college athletics and college football in particular is when a massive upset happens, you storm the field. It's great. You get great pictures. You get great video. It's just it's just part of the pageantry. Why are you going to take that away? It's just so, so soft. And it's because guys like Nick Saban, who have won more games than, you know, most coaches will ever win in a lifetime, you know, a group of coaches will ever win in a lifetime is tired of the field being stormed after his team loses. It just kind of is what it is. So we'll see what comes of this. I think it's pretty soft. I think it's lazy. I think it's uh, – you know, again, soft is just the best term I can have to to describe it there. I also think it's hilarious that the Alabama athletic director is leading this group and Georgia's athletic director is leading this group. I think it's funny. So if this happens in the SEC or other conferences to follow, I don't know. What exactly will that punishment be? Will it be forfeiting a future home game against that same team? We'll see. Would it be forfeiting that game where the field storming happened? Probably not, but that's on the table. Uh, we'll have to see. But at the end of the day, this is soft and – it's uh, making college football a percent less more less fun. So it is what it is, but that report came out earlier this week. Pete Thamel over at ESPN. I just want to discuss, get your thoughts on it here on Locked On Balls. Hey, NFL Drafts coming up tonight. Where's Darnell Wright going to go? Where's Hendon Hooker going to go? I ask you this. It's rhetorical because I already told you back in segment number one. But for reals, we'll find out where those guys are going to go if Hendon Hooker gets selected in the first round. Of course, kicking off NFL Draft Weekend. Complete coverage of what happens tonight. That's what you have to look forward to on Friday's Locked On Balls. Guys, I enjoy it. Shout out every dayers. Come back for more and let's talk about it. This is Locked On Balls.